this morning, we're going to get into chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians. Some of you guys might be thinking the rapture of the church. Well, heard about this my entire life. Nothing new to me. Uh, why am I here today for this? Uh, there's a reason why God has given us these scriptures, and it's to comfort us. Some of you guys might be like, the rapture? What in the heck is the rapture? What are you talking about? Well, you're going to be fascinated, but don't be fascinated too much that you miss the point of why the scriptures are here for us here today, and it's to bring us comfort. So no matter where you are, if you are a saint, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this passage of scripture, I think, is one of the neatest that we have in all of the Bible concerning a blessed promise that we have as believers, as saints, in the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you guys, but I'm looking forward to his coming. Did any of you guys this morning, I'll, I'll be honest, this morning was a little rough, okay? I don't know, sometimes it's not always easy getting to church on a Sunday morning. It was a rough one, but it's so cool. I get in the car and I start driving, and I'm looking up, and I'm just like, man, I might not even make it to church today. What if you came back right now? That would be so cool. Um, but it would also be fun, Lord, if I was preaching about the rapture, then you came during the study. That would be rad, too. Lord, it would just be rad if you came whenever. I just want you to come quickly. And isn't that one of our heart cries as believers? We so long to see our Lord and Savior face to face. I cannot wait. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into this passage of Scripture here. Uh, Father Jesus, we thank you <laughs> that you first introduced Lord, the reality that you would be returning, coming back uh, to us. And you told us not to let our hearts be troubled because you gave that promise of returning. And this morning I would want uh, my heart, all of our hearts, just to be open, Lord, to receive comfort from you. Lord, we need it. We are living in crazy times. We see so much hopelessness and wickedness in this world but we've given you've been given uh given to us so much lord that we can cling to our hope is real God, the gospel is good it is good to cling to it is so needed to be shared today in this reality i know there are many father even within the church that don't even want to deal with this passage of scripture and we know that's a bummer because you've given us these these verses these scriptures to comfort us and i would pray that you would do that for each and every one of us here today or those who are watching uh, online god that your spirit would meet with us and encourage us today we ask in your name amen i really do look forward to the rapture reunion more than anything yeah thanksgiving was fun christmas is around the corner uh, there's things we can look forward to, but for me personally, uh, this is the thing I look forward to more than anything else is finally to be with Jesus. And I do believe this could happen in our lifetime. Uh, we have studied this at length at other times. I'm not going to cover a whole bunch of the points we've gone through before. I'm going to just try to be, because we are going through Thessalonians, it's not going to be a topical study on the rapture but we're really going to look at what these scriptures teach we don't want to ignore what god has purposed for us here so again context is so important okay and what's the context coming around this passage of scripture well if we just go back to verses 11 and 12 these thessalonian believers um 
that they believe that since the Lord's return was imminent, he could come back at any time. These were first century Christians. They believe Jesus could come at any time. Some deduced, why work then? And Paul called them out on that. Like, no, we need to be working. Um, so still dealing with the Lord's return, they wonder now uh, that we've had a few friends of ours, okay, who have now died, um, are they going to miss out on the coming of the Lord? That was their legitimate question. Again, Paul was only there for three weeks, okay, and taught them. And in those short three weeks, okay, the gospel's laid out, people are coming to faith. He's talking eschatology, end time things with them, the rapture of the church that Jesus was going to return. So their question then was, well, what happens to those that have died now? Okay, and then show of hands, how many of you guys know a Christian who've just passed within the last year? Okay, more than half of us. Okay, what about them? <laughs> What's going on? What if the Lord returns? So will they be reunited with the Lord at the rapture was their question. Thus the rapture reunion here. So it's interesting. So many get stressed out with this portion of scripture. Okay. Um, and when Paul's purpose here is to, you know, really discuss in this topic to bring comfort to the believers. Okay. I know many churches just skip over this passage. They don't even know what to do with this. And yet, it's specifically put here to comfort the believer. So let's take a look at verse 13 here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So I think it's cool because Paul has this formula in the New Testament letters that he wrote, not to be ignorant. He comes up with five different things in the New Testament. And it means he wishes to introduce uh, something new. There's a new point to be made. And in this new point, don't miss what I'm saying. And it's crazy when I think about the things that he tells us not to ignore. And I, my hard part is Christians, okay? They're brothers and sisters, okay, because we're all parts of little different tribes, okay? A lot of us belong to different denominations, and that's okay. But if you call yourself a Christian, do not ignore the word of God, okay? We can have different takes on it, but if you come to a conclusion in something, which means you have to ignore certain scriptures to come to that conclusion, to hold to those beliefs, now I have a problem, brother and sister, we can't ignore things in the word of God just because we want to continue to believe something. We have to deal with all of it, okay? Every single book of the Bible, every single word of the word we need to deal with. So when the Bible tells us not to ignore things like Satan, okay, that's one of the things we're told. A lot of the church doesn't even want to think about him being real. Ah, oh, that's just made up belief. There really isn't a real Satan who's really our enemy. Another thing we're told not to ignore Israel. Do you guys care about Israel? I absolutely do. She's the apple of God's eye. How can we not care about her? If the Bible says not to ignore her, then why has the church just written her off and bought into replacement theology when God says, I'm not done with her? We can't ignore those scriptures. 
okay? Spiritual warfare. Don't ignore that. Don't ignore the gifts of the Spirit. You guys know many churches don't even believe in the gifts of the Spirit today? Oh, that was just for the first century church. God doesn't do that in the church anymore. Although his word says, don't ignore this. <laughs> so when it comes to the rapture then, and it says, don't ignore it. Do you guys know that the majority of the churches around, we have over 200 here in Outagamie County, most of them don't believe in the rapture of the church. And God says, don't ignore it. So are we going to ignore it? No, we're going to deal with it. Why? Because it's here in his word. So Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant. Okay, in other words, Here's something new, a new point, get it, grasp it, own it, okay? I do not want you to be ignorant concerning God's prophetic plan, okay? He wants us to understand what is yet future. And oh, so we can see, and we're also supposed to understand things regarding end times. Well, they've always been talking about these things. Why do we think it's going to happen in our lifetime? What's unique? Why are we different? Well, if you actually studied the word of God, which is truth, you begin to see things. Whoa, <laughs> things are happening right now in time that not, it's not happened in all time. They're very unique and very specific, just like Jesus told us in Matthew 24 and 25, along with all the prophets. We're seeing all these prophecies being fulfilled like crazy right now in our day and age. One of those things being Israel coming back into the land. And if we ignore Israel as the church, if we've written them off, God's done with them, why would we even care that Israel's there in recent history? What does that matter to you? Israel's God's time clock. Everything's coming together. Sorry, I'm getting so sidetracked. Back to here. <laughs> the point is I don't want us to miss it and ignore what God is saying here. So let's get back to the subject at hand. Paul specifically here is talking about sleeping believers. How many of you guys like naps? Show of hands. I love naps. If I can get them, I love them. I have a dog that likes to wake me up like one minute into a nap. So the subject of sleeping believers here, Paul doesn't want them to be ignorant, sorrowful, nor hopeless. And I want you guys also to catch when it speaks of sleep, okay, it's only used in a believer's death. Someone who's put their faith in Christ. We don't die, guys. That's why it says the believer only sleeps. It means that the believer, death is nothing more than a sleep. It's a quiet resting. The idea of awakening again when someone sleeps, you have contact with them again. So that's what's trying to be emphasized. That's the point being made here. As sleep has its waking, okay, so death has its resurrection. Jesus said to Jairus' daughter in Mark 5.39, this child is not dead, but sleeping, right? We read of Lazarus in John 11. Jesus said to Lazarus, or of his friend, Lazarus sleeps, but I go to wake him up. And then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. But he was a believer. Okay, He was sleeping. He would resurrect again. So when it tells us here, don't sorrow, what do you guys think we should do? Not, it doesn't mean that we're not allowed to grieve 
a loss. That's not what it's saying, okay? Grieving is natural, okay? It is something God has made us to do. Paul would have grieved for Epaphroditus in Philippians 2.27 if he died. We were told that. So here, even heathens' hopelessness in the face of death. Okay, there's grief. Let, let me share with you guys a letter that I found from the second century. Okay, it says, Irene to Tenerus and Phylon. Good cheer. I was as much grieved and I shed as many tears over Omerus as shed for Didymus. And I did everything that, I, that was fitting, and so did my whole family. But still there is n- nothing, uh, there is nothing one can do in the face of such trouble. So I leave you to comfort yourselves. Goodbye. That's the reality for the non-believer, guys. What comfort is there? What hope is there? Grim epitaphs were found on some heathen teams, uh, tombstones. I want to share one of them with you. I was not. I became. I am not. I care not. So the first half is right, but now he wishes the second half were true. You guys understand that there is life after we die. God's written that in our hearts, we're told. In the scriptures eternity is there we know we go on so to fall into that type of mindset that we die and that's it that's faulty thinking okay deep down bears witness to that not being true life goes on the greeks they believe that being rid of the body that was their great hope that's what they look forward to but we need not sorrow as christians because we have hope What hope? I'm glad you asked. Looked at verse 14 with me here. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Isn't that cool to think about? He will bring with. My grandmother passed just a few months ago, and we drive past where she had been staying. Uh, Every day I bring the kids off to school in the morning. And every morning I think by, you know, driving by, old folks home there and i think to myself i'm going to see my grandma again she believed in jesus she received him as lord and savior i'm going to see her again i think that's so cool instead of driving by and every day thinking oh bummer grandma died during this pandemic didn't even get to see her in the last few months of her life you know no there's a hope i'm going to see her again and i get to see her for all time guys because she bowed the knee to jesus christ in this life so of our resurrection guys it's based on his resurrection it always comes back to the gospel the good news because he lives we live i also want us to note that the sleeping believers are where with him did you guys catch that they are with him so how are they with him here and not with him in verse 16 well i'm glad you asked because when we consider the christian doctrine of resurrection it assures us that death is not the end The grave is not the end. The body goes to sleep, but the soul goes on to be with the Lord. Isn't that cool to think? Turn to Philippians chapter 1 real quick. There's a neat passage that Paul lays out in regards to this. So flip to Philippians. 
we had a junior high retreat years ago, and we called it Flip Out Retreat, and we studied the book of Philippians. If you guys want a good read, if you want to put scripture to memory, spend some time in Philippians. Beautiful truth laid out throughout. My new glasses are stressing me out. I can't read with them on now. How many of you guys got that old where your eyes got that bad that you got a pair of glasses and you couldn't do both anymore? I can't even see your hands that are going up. That's how bad it is. But I can read the word now. It says this in verse 20 of chapter 1 in Philippians. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to part and to be with Christ, which is far better, amen, right? In then verse 24, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. So even Paul, this was his heart. He's like, man, I'm okay. If I die, I'm going to be with Jesus. That's gain. That is good. Man, I can't wait. But it's more needed that I stay here to serve, to love you guys. That was his heart. And he got that. And that's what we need to get when it comes to this idea of these saints who have fallen asleep. They're with Christ, which is far better. So when the Lord returns, guys, he will bring the soul with him, and he will raise the body in glory, and we will unite body and soul into one being, and we will share in his glory forever. I think that's pretty cool. So man has three parts. 2 Corinthians 5, we're all familiar with it. I'm going to paraphrase, paraphrase the first few verses. For instance, we know that when our bodies <clears throat> of ours are taken um, down like tents and they're folded away, they will be replaced by resurrection bodies for heaven or in heaven. God made, not made with hands. And we'll never have to relocate our tents again. Sometimes we can hardly wait to move, and so we cry out in frustration compared to what's coming. Living conditions around here seem like uh, a stopover in unfurnished shack, and we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home, our resurrected bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little of heaven in our hearts so that we will never settle for less. And aren't you guys glad? Don't we have expectation of coming good? I sure do. The second we get born again in the Spirit of God, you're like, whoa, my citizenship is now in heaven because I've been adopted into my heavenly Father's family that's where I'm going. That's where I'm spending forever. I can't wait to get there. So Paul here also pointed out that the resurrection of the human body is like a grow, growing of a plant from a seed. You guys have that picture? How many of you guys have a green thumb? You're good at planting seeds and things. Okay, a few of you. I'm not the greatest. Okay, uh, but that's the point here. The flower is not 
identical seed that was planted, yet there's a, a continuity from the seed to plant. So the dead body, guys, is the seed, and it's planted in the ground, and then the resurrected body, guys, would be the flower. Does that make sense? Okay, and that comes from the seed. So those who sleep in Jesus, I love that little phrase, in Jesus. I ask you this morning, are you in Christ? Not just standing out from the outside looking in, hey, I know about Jesus. Sure, I get who he is, that he's the creator of the world, the son of God who died on that cross 2,000 years ago and rose from the dead. I get that. I know who he is. No, are you actually in him? Do you actually know him in that way? And it refers exclusively to the church age saints here. Okay? Those who believed on him in this dispensation of time from the cross until now. Okay? The resurrection believers. Okay? Old Testament saints are raised at the end of the tribulation. Yeah, there's a difference. This specifically, the rapture, is for the church. For you guys who uh, want to look into it, there's different passages, but the one that comes to mind is Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, specifically speaking about the Old Testament saints will be resurrected there at the second coming of Christ, okay, at the end of the tribulation time. This, the rapture of the church, is before the tribulation. Because we're not appointed to wrath, which Thessalonians will also teach us. But we're going to get back to here to chapter 4, verse 15, where we see the sleeping believers promise here. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. So we living believers aren't going to arrive ahead of them. That's what Paul is trying to make a point for you and I to get here. And I think it's cool. Did you guys note that Paul included himself in here? He said we. Isn't that kind of cool to think about? Paul thought that he was going to see the imminent return of Jesus Christ in his lifetime. Now, did Paul kind of have an in with the Lord? Heck yeah! He wrote a, much of the New Testament. He knew his stuff. And he believed that the Lord was coming in his lifetime. I think it's good. Even if Jesus doesn't come back in our lifetime, which I really think he probably will, but if he doesn't, it works something in the believer. I think it's good for us to have that earnest expectation of him coming. That's our blessed hope as believers, and he's called us to it. You can jot down Philippians 4, 5. Paul said, let your gentleness be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. Like, hey, we need to be gentle as believers. Let the world know it, because Jesus is coming. He's at hand. Okay, and I would love to leave that stamp on the world when the Lord comes. Okay, right now, and I've been saying this for years, as long as some of you guys have been around uh, for a couple decades now of hearing me preach the word of God, and you've probably heard me say before, I am sick of big government. Okay, because I see what the government is trying to do. Like, it's clear what the Bible has assigned government to do. Okay, there's right and wrongs and things need to be punished, and there's a place for government. We need to submit to that authority. But in the country in which we live, we see government getting bigger and bigger in doing what the church is called to do. Because aren't we supposed to take care of the poor? Whose job is it? The churches, okay? We're the ones who are called to love 
and serve in those ways. Okay? We look and we turn to government. Hey, what are we going to do with these children who have been orphaned? Hmm, undefiled, pure religion, that includes orphans and widows and where are the widows and the orphans going for help to our government. It's the church's job, guys. And I would love us to be doing our job in such a way that when the rapture does happen, guess what? The world's going to see very quickly, whoa! <laughs> the church, they were loving us, serving us. Wouldn't that be cool? I think that'd be so cool. Instead, anyways, I want to talk about the insteads. Let's just do what the Word of God says, okay? Um, Titus 2.13 is another one. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sonny shared a few passages from Titus with me yesterday. We were just sharing just how cool that one little letter is on how we should conduct ourselves as the church. If we would just do what the scriptures say, how beautiful and pleasing we would be to Jesus. And why can't we be like God's called us to be, to have that type of character, to walk wisely, okay? To really be loving each other, to be a beautiful witness of Jesus to the world. And then the coming of the Lord, okay? When it says that here, guys, um, it's obviously a series of events, a dramatic beginning and an even more dramatic ending. For you guys who have been hanging with us for a little while, we were in Revelation 19 not that long ago. Then I saw heaven open wide and oh, a white horse, right? And its rider, the rider, his name was what? Faithful and true. Okay, he judges and he makes war and pure righteousness. His eyes a blaze of fire on his head, many crowns. He has a name inscribed that no one knows except himself. He is dressed in a robe soaked with blood. And he is addressed as the word of God. The armies of heaven mounted on white horses are dressed in this dazzling linen. Following him, a sharp sword comes out of his mouth in which he subdues the nations. And then he rule, to rule them with a rod of iron, he treads the winepress, we're told, of the raging wrath of God, the sovereign strong. And on his robe and thigh are written what? King of kings and Lord of lords. Don't you love it? I look forward to that day, too. We're going to be coming back with him. But before then, guys, we get raptured, and we are with him. Okay? I believe that's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. I cannot wait. So let's take a look at verse 16, because we see now the sleeping believers here, the resurrection of them. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So how will this take place, Pastor Landon? I'm glad you asked. The Lord himself. Isn't that the coolest thing? Jesus himself is going to come. Okay? Not Michael, not Gabriel, not Peter, not a billion angels, but the Lord himself is going to come. I think that is so cool. So that should warm our hearts. I know it does mine. And there's three sounds that we hear here. Did you guys catch them? Okay? One's a shout, right? So it's a cry of command addressed to the dead. So this was used 
in a variety of ways. The cry made by a ship's master to its rowers, a cry made by a military officer to his soldiers, a cry made by a hunter to his hounds, a cry made by a charioteer to his horses. Henry Morris said, it was a loud, authoritative cry, often one uttered in the thick of excitement. That's exactly what's going to be going on, guys. How ex- most exciting thing as a Christian, the day we hear those three wonderful little words that we all really want to hear, come up here. I cannot wait. John 5:25, most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming. And now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. So Jesus stood there at Lazarus' tomb that day and he shouted, Lazarus, come forth. Now we know if he just said come forth, everybody in the graveyard would have got up and came out. And one day he's going to come and he's going to call all the saints. Come church with me so this was addressed to all those who had fallen asleep in jesus so that we heard a shout we also hear a voice guys maybe michael okay june 9 maybe another archangel daniel chapter 10 verse 13 michael one of the chief princes so we know that there's others don't know for sure And then a trumpet, a trumpet. I loved when uh, Wes and Liz got married. They started off the ceremony with a what? A trumpet blast. I'm just like, this is so rad. Something is about to happen. And that's what we see in the scriptures. When a trumpet sounds, pay attention. Something's going to happen, right? You guys can jot down first. Actually, let's turn there. First Corinthians 15. It speaks to the rapture also, and I want you guys to be able to see this, mark this. Oftentimes in my Bible, guys, I will take, say I'm in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I know 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52 speak to the rapture also. I'll put right next to those scriptures, and I'll write in that reference. So if I'm studying and I come along something, it's just like, oh, here's another passage of scripture that really speaks to that. So I don't know about you guys, when you have a Bible with all the cross-references, you guys ever read some of those references and you're like, how does that connect? What are they talking about? And then you keep referencing more and more to try to figure out why did they pick that reference. I know why I picked the references I picked. So if I see a reference I wrote, guess what? It's going to make sense to me at least. <laughs> okay, anyways. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's look at verse 51 and 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Okay? Did you guys say the rapture is kind of like a mystery? Absolutely. He says, we shall not all sleep. He's speaking to believers. But we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. So super duper quick, in other words. At the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Isn't that cool? The trumpet. We know the Jewish people used... We're very familiar with trumpets, okay? Because trumpets were used before they would declare war, uh, before different festivals, special times that they had. 
and when they would gather people together for a journey. Trumpets were used often. I think of Numbers chapter 10 there. Actually, turn, you got your Bibles open. Let's go to Exodus chapter, um, hang on. It'd be 21, I think, right before the giving of the law. Do you guys remember the trumpets were blown right before Moses went up Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten? Right? Let's go to chapter 19 of Exodus. And I can't even see my page numbers. There we go. I know. If you guys saw my notes here, man, 24 font. <laughs> Been doing that for years. So let's take a look at the end of chapter 19 in Exodus. And I want you guys to catch the trumpets here. This is pretty cool. Verse 18 we'll jump down to. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke. Think about this huge mountain, okay? Smoke up there because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and before, or became louder and louder, Moses spoke. And God answered him by voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on top of the mountain. The Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. Moses went up. And of course, guys, you can read into chapter 20, but that's where he received the Ten Commandments from the Lord. But isn't it cool, as you study the scriptures, how many times a trumpet sounds before some big event? I think it's just so cool. Um, that's one of many. We don't have time to get into more. But I want to consider even the Roman Empire because they were in power during this time in which this letter was written. They would use trumpets to announce the arrival of someone, some great person, okay? And I think that's so cool because when the Lord, the greatest of all, comes, doo -doo -doo -doo! I hope it's not like that. I hope it's way cooler. But the trumpet's going to sound, and here comes Jesus. So let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 4. We'll take a look at verse 17 here. The living believers are snatched away, verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. So next, the living saints are caught up with the deceased saints. Where? In the clouds. Why? To meet Jesus. Where? In the air. Why? To always be with him. That is so cool! To always be with Jesus. I look forward to that. Confession time. I know some of you guys think pastors float and never use the bathroom. That's what Ozzy told me. Um, <laughs> man, there's no one who's hyper-spiritual, who's arrived. You should never put anybody up on a pillar. We're all sinners and all in need of a Savior, guys. We all do. Um, and I think about the reality of this life. Um, Jesus said that the cares of this life will choke us out. And there are times, I'll be very honest, this last year has been so overwhelming in ways I've never had to deal with things before. And I've caught myself more than I'd like to admit saying, oh, that's right, God, <laughs> you're here with me. 
That's right, Jesus. You are on the throne. You're still in control. My heart just grieves. Where does that disconnect come that I find myself just not even aware of his presence? And it's like the Holy Spirit in his gentle way, in his love. You guys know what I'm to that little knock. I'm, I'm right here, son. I've promised never to leave you or forsake you. I got you. It's going to be okay. I'm going to see you through. My promises are true, still true. I'm, I still got you. And I love when he does that. But I don't know why we as Christians, why that disconnect ever has to happen. I don't think it has to happen. But we get caught up in the cares, in the flesh, in the stuff. And it'll be so good when this day, the result is finally in, that we are forever with Jesus. I mean, even when we come back with him at the end of the trip, what are we doing? It's not like, hey, he's coming back to make war, which he is coming back, okay, to make war. But we're hanging with Jesus. It's not like he's sending us out. Hey, I want you guys to go and fight over here and over there. No, he does all the fighting. We're just hanging out with him. I mean, that's what reality is going to be for all time. We get to be with Jesus. I love Acts 1.9. Okay, it was just like how Jesus left earth, right? While they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. So when the rapture happens, we're going to be caught up. The Greek word is harpazo, to snatch up, to seize, to carry off by force. That's what this word means. The Latin word raptoro is where we get the word rapture from. So when you have your friends say, well, how can you believe in the rapture? The word rapture is not even in the Bible. It's right here, caught up snatched up harpazo okay that's rapture so to catch away speedily is what's used you guys remember in acts 8 where philip he went and shared the gospel with the ethiopian treasure and then he was snatched up just raptured right there taken away it's the same greek word just disappeared i think that would be a cool ministry right Lord, I'll share the gospel. Who do you want me to share with? Cool. You know, they get saved. You baptize them quick and just gone. And he puts you down to the next one. That'd be so rad. Anyways, don't you guys ever think about the things you're going to ask the saints of old when you finally get to meet them? You know, it's just like, Philip, how was that? You know, was it just like the rapture? You know, Um So to be seized by force. We also see this word used in the Gospel of John, verse 16. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Okay, So it's that same thing, by force of being taken. So I hope this doesn't suggest that there's going to be some saints that are so attached to, to this world that they literally have to be forced, snatched away from it, okay? I think of Lot being delivered from Sodom. Didn't that take a lot of work to get that one righteous man out of the city before judgment came? He was clinging too much to this world. And I see that even in the church today. We know better, but we're prone to do it, aren't we? We want so badly this thing. We want to hold on to what we have. Man, let it go, guys. Let it go. 
because it's the best thing for you and your soul. And when the Lord comes to get you, it ain't going to hurt. You're going to be ready. So the claim for one's own self is really in view here of the rapture. Okay, From our Lord's point of view, as he comes to claim his bride, you're mine. <laughs> you're coming with me. Okay, And we see that in Jewish tradition. Also, to move to a new place. Okay, Paul used this word when he described his visit to heaven. Okay, He was taken out. Let me read that to you guys. If you want to turn to 2 Corinthians, it's chapter 12. Why am I sharing this with you? Just because it's super cool. Do you guys know the word of God is cool? I love it. Second Corinthians 12. I think it's the first few verses. There it is. It says it's doubtless and not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. And then Paul says in verse 2, I know a man in Christ. He, I, I think he was talking about himself, guys. Okay, He says, I know a man in Christ 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I don't know. Or whether out of the body, I don't know. God knows. Such a one was caught up, harpazo, to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexcribable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Think about that. When we get caught up to be with God, we're going to see things, hear things that isn't going to even be lawful for us to talk about right now. That's how cool it's going to be. I don't know about you guys, but I get pretty excited about the rapture. One, I get to hang with Jesus. But then there's going to be things that are just going to blow our mind. Okay? Like, we get really excited about some pretty lame things in this life. To be honest with you guys, don't we? You know? Like, children are a gift from the Lord. They really are. But when they first come into the world, man, it's just like this goo and gra- I mean, like, messy lit. Like, please, nurse, clean it up good. <laughs> then I'll hold. And there is the blessing of a child, okay? And there's nothing like it in this life, you know? But the reality is how many billions and billions and billions of people have had children in this life? How many babies have there been, you know? And it's just one of those things that we've come up with a lot of terminology, you know? Oh, that's just the cutest little thing. What a blessing, most wonderful gift, blah, 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 blah. Guys, what heaven's going to be like is going to be on our biggest blessings in this life. That's the point I'm trying to make. Like, you know, we think there's really cool things, but it's very normal, okay? Nothing even comes close to what heaven's going to be like in the reality of what Paul is trying to lay out here. Like, it's not even lawful for me to talk about. It's so far beyond. I can't, we can't even express how cool it's going to be. I think of Jesus. You guys remember in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you? Think about that. He's preparing a place, and he said he will come again to get us. It's going to be a glorious place. So it's really a rescue from danger. Um, Acts 23.10, this is when Paul was rescued from a mob and brought into the barracks. It suggests, guys, that we're going to be brought out from danger. Okay, before what? When does the rapture happen? What danger are we talking? It's the wrath to come. It's the great tribulation. Revelation 6-19. to Okay, that seven-year period of time when chaos is 
taking place all over planet Earth, right before the tribulation. This is when the rapture is going to happen. So the rapture, then the tribulation starts, I don't know. I was taught that growing up, but the Bible doesn't actually say that anywhere. Okay? Do you guys know when the trib actually starts? No. <laughs> we just know that the rapture happens before the tribulation. So we're all told here we're to be together with him. So death is a great separator, but Jesus is what? The great reconciler, right? So this suggests that the Lord will have this happy ministry of reuniting broken families, okay, and friendships. This is going to be beautiful. And thus, it tells us we shall always be with the Lord. Again, I love that. This is a place where Christians will be, okay. It was not so important to Paul as a person with whom they will be. The entire content here uh, and worth of heaven, the entire blessedness and life eternal is for Paul to be embraced with Jesus Christ, to be united with him, his Savior, his Lord. That's the blessing of the rapture, guys. That's what we look forward to. And do you treasure Jesus in such a way that you cannot wait, that you look forward to him more than any other? I sure hope so, guys. Because if you've tasted and seen how good the Lord is, this is what your heart aches for above all other things. So wrapping this up, verse 18, the living believers are comforted, therefore comfort one another with these words. That's why I love this passage of Scripture. I think this is a passage of Scripture that we should share with one another on a regular basis, post it on your social media, text it to somebody, speak it to one another. Why? Because these words bring comfort. Okay? Um... We shall all be together as a great family of God and forever be with the Lord. Pretty exciting. So here the thought is continued upon the reunion of those who've gone to be with Christ and those who are living when he returns. So what do I do with this information? You comfort. Who do you comfort? Well, those who've lost believing ones, those awaiting the Lord's return. That's who we comfort with this. I love preaching this, pas this passage. This is, this is good as it gets, guys. Jesus is coming back. I don't want any of you guys to be left behind, okay? But you know your own heart. Have you put, <laughs> placed your faith in Christ and him alone? Have you believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he's risen from the dead? Do you believe? I hope so. Then you're a part of the church and you're going to get raptured with us, okay? I'm going to beat you guys there, by the way, if we're raptured right now because I'm on the stage. I'm up about six inches. <laughs> uh, so repeating these truths, guys, will bring assurance to our heart. Okay, Some of you guys may have walked in this morning like a bummer. We're talking about the rapture. I get it. Man, we can hear this over and over again, guys. This is our blessed hope as believers. I just want to lay down a few distinctions real quick. We could do an exhaustive list on this between the rapture and the coming of christ because i've talked with brothers sisters too that assert it's the same thing it's not at the rapture jesus comes for his saints at the second coming we see jesus coming with his saints okay at the rapture we meet christ in the air at the second coming we return with jesus at the rapture saints are changed 
At the second coming, no saints are changed. At the rapture, it's imminent. We don't know when it's going to take place, but the second coming, it's preceded by definite signs, and it's actually calculated for us to the day. The rapture deals with the saved. The second coming is going to deal with the saved and unsaved. At the rapture, Satan's not bound. At the second coming, guess what? Satan is bound. The rapture, the world is not changed, but the second coming, we know the world is changed. The rapture, no one sees Jesus. The second coming, every eye will see Jesus. So just a couple distinctions there, okay? Um, and again, guys, <laughs> it's your choice. I don't want to see anybody left behind. God doesn't want to see anybody left behind. His heart is that none should perish. One day every knee will bow and confess Jesus is Lord. But if you choose to do it in this time, before the rapture, willingly professing him, Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you give your allegiance to the good King Jesus, you're going to be part of the church of these saints that will be raptured and will not go through the tribulation. Can one get saved during the tribulation? Yes, we do see people getting saved. But let me tell you what, you don't want to get saved then. <laughs> do it today because the Bible says now is the day of salvation. The gift of salvation is for today. And when will the rapture of the church happen? We don't know. He's going to come as a thief in the night. No one knows the day or the hour. It could happen at any time. The question is, are you right with Jesus? Have you received him? Have you cried out to him and asked him to save you, to forgive your sins, to put your faith in him? I hope you have. If you haven't, I would really encourage you to get on your knees and cry out to him. Beg of him to save you. And he will because he is good. He is gracious. I'm going to have the worship team come up and we're going to close our time in communion. So if I could have a couple of the men uh, hand out the cups and bread. And during our communion, guys, this is for those who have put their faith in Christ. So if you have not personally done that, please don't partake of the cup and the bread with us. Um, but I'm going to read to you guys um, before we partake together. So just hold on to it until we're done. I'd love to read from John 14 with you guys. And the reason I want to share that with you guys, I want to share a story. You may have heard me share this before. But years back in southern Wisconsin, there was an orphanage. And they had an interview uh, with the director of the orphanage. Many kids there, and they asked the director, with all these kids, what's your biggest problem? Like, you know, what, what, what's the biggest problem you guys have here? And he said, keeping the windows clean. And they asked, keeping the window. what are you talking about? Keeping these kids were taught the scriptures. These orphans were so looking for their heavenly father coming that they would constantly be at the windows looking out for Jesus, for the coming of the Lord. And I often wonder, do we have faith like children? Are we, are we really anticipating, are we really looking for the coming of Jesus Christ? I sure hope we do. Because there is something about childlike faith 
And that's what God's asked us to do. That's what we get to share with the world. I'm excited for next Sunday. I hope you guys come out. We have a brother in the Lord who's going to come and actually talk how we can help serve children as Christians. How can we bless and minister to kids who are in need? Okay, a couple weeks ago, I shared with you guys about another ministry called uh, Welcomed Ministry. Liz helps out with that a little bit. But there's a lot of foster parents. How can we minister to these families and to share? Because a lot of these kids are coming from rough backgrounds. But what happens to a person when they get to hear the goodness of God? That there is a God who created them that loves them, who died in their place who rose from the dead and ascended into heaven is one day going to come back for those believe on him. What a blessing and a privilege we have as a church to share that good news with the world. What I'd like to do is to read just a few verses from John 14 here. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Man, don't we long to be home And if it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And then Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Father, as we come to the table together at this time, we remember these words. They resonate within our hearts, within our spirits. We know you're coming back. We know that day could be any day soon. God, I pray that our eyes would be looking that we would be sharing this truth with others, that we would be living this truth ourselves. We thank you so much, God, that your promises are all yes and amen. Lord, we thank you so much, Father, for the good gift of salvation that you have freely given to any who believe upon you. And even as we come to the table and partake, you told us to do this in remembrance of you until you return. So that's what we're doing here this morning, remembering what you've done, your life, your death, the resurrection, and your soon return. God, we wait patiently, but at the same time we cry out, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus.